Open your Bibles, please, to Daniel chapter 3, starting verse 8, if you'll stand with me as we honor God's Word. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. There are certain Jews who have appointed, you have appointed, over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Please be seated. Firm convictions, Daniel 3, 8 through 18. So what are convictions? A firmly held belief or opinion. Before becoming the 16th president, 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, whose integrity was legendary, made a, a speech against the advice of his friends. Largely because of that speech, he lost the 1858 election to the Senate. But he said, if it is decreed that I go down because of this speech, then let me go down linked to the truth. We admire men of conviction. We know we should stand for some things, no matter what the cost. Christ tells us in Luke chapter, um, don't turn, I'll just read it, chapter 14. Verses 25 through 30. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. 
Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, it is not able to finish. All who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. This is talking about a complete commitment. Gruden says, Hating there is a Semitic expression of loving less. You have to bear your own cross. You must die to self. You must embrace God's will no matter what the cost. And if true, you will have firm convictions. Even if you have to die, you won't put family in front of Christ. You won't put your job in front of Christ. But often, people laugh at others who risk a lot for some cause or their integrity. But convictions, but conviction is essential to fulfill to faithful living and character building and sanctification and loyalty and faithfulness to God. Whether we compromise and sin is directly tied to the strength of our convictions. An example of that would be Joash in Second Chronicles 24, who did right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. He restored the house of the Lord. But then what happened after the death of Jehoiada? It says he abandoned the house of the Lord and served the Asherim, another god, a pagan god, and the idols. And he commanded the people to stone the son of Jehoiada, Zechariah, who was calling the people back to the Lord. So what happened to Joash? His servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada and murdered him in his own bed. And they didn't bury him in the tomb of the kings. Did Joash have firm convictions? No. Why? He seemed to, but they were tied to they were not tied to an uncompromising faith in God, but to a man. A good man, but that, was, that wasn't enough to keep him from walking away. Be careful your faith is based on a relationship with Christ and not a man and not a preacher or parents. Strength of conviction in every day-to-day life is what determines whether we will be able to stand when standing for Christ will cost us. And that time is not far off. That day had come for Daniel and his three friends. You remember back in chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel was asked to eat the king's food, and, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself, and it all worked out for Daniel. He looked even better than the others who had eaten the king's food, and he was promoted. So Daniel stood firm. Then in chapter 3, verse 18, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are asked to bow down, commanded to bow down before the statue, they said, but even if he does not, if he does not save us from this fire, Even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
the three flatly and politely refused to obey the king. Where were the other Jews when the three were told to bow down to the golden image? It's believed Daniel may have been out of town on business. The other Jews may have been kissing the dirt and obeying the king. The three were not assured they would be saved from the fire. And some people believe it could be as hot as 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. But that didn't faze them. If we have to be assured of victory before standing firm, we're not living by faith. With God, it is far less important that we appear to win that, that, than that we, are, that we stand for what is right. If we stand for the truth, we already have the victory, though the world will look at us and think we're losing. Christ at his trial and crucifixion stood for the truth, and they killed him. To the world, it looked like he was a fool and a loser, but he won. And his resurrection says so. It was his vindication. Firm convictions. Daniel 3, 8 through 18. Number one, you must live for God. 8 through 12. Verse 8. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. These jealous Chaldeans wanted to get rid of the Jews who had gained a high position in the government. They resented the three because they were their superiors and they wanted them gone, possibly so they could be considered for the post or they were just trying to get the king's favor. At the first opportunity, they attempted to get rid of these foreign interlopers. They brought charges against them. They were bitter and they hated these three men. Feminists hate Christians. Gays hate Christians. Atheists hate Christians. Because of our convictions. They don't hate you if you say that you're a Christian, but you don't take a stand, you don't speak up. If you go with the flow, you're not a threat to their way of life. The PC police will leave you alone. These Chaldeans were jealous of their position and most likely anti-Semitic. Verses 9 through 12. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. The Chaldeans address the king in the usual way, O king, live forever. No indication is given as to when the three actually made their decision, whether it was at the music, when the playing of the music, or before. I believe before. But whenever it was, the pressure was great to acquiesce for several reasons. Number one, Daniel wasn't there. 
they had to decide for themselves. Daniel was their leader, and he made a good choice to abstain from the food when they were being trained and to give God, the God of the Jews the glory for answering the king's dream. He was the one God chose to work through up till now. Number two, the punishment for not bowing. That fire. The accusations were brought against them. Number one, they paid no attention to the king and his commands. Number two, they did not serve the king's gods. Number three, they refused to worship the golden statue the king had ordered to be built. They said, they do not serve your gods because they live for the true God. If you work for a company and they say, you know, you got to cook the books. you got to falsify financial records. There's only one thing you can do if you live for God. If your boss is having an affair, everybody knows it, maybe in the office, and you say, well, it's none of my business, until he tells you to lie. Tell my wife I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, available, I'm in a meeting. And what's your response? Where does your loyalty lie? You say, sir, with all due respect, I'm not here to lie for you. And you might say, well, that, that could cost me my job. The three could have been burned alive. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Faith in Christ doesn't mean your best life now. We don't come to Christ to get something. I will only trust him if I get everything I want out of life. I will serve you, Lord, if I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise. You serve him because he is worthy of our best effort. He is the one who loved us first. You serve him without condition because it's right for the slave to obey his master. Biblical faith, says Chappelle, is not confidence in certain outcomes. It's confidence in a sovereign God. I have a friend back in Pennsylvania. He's about my age now. But when he was a young man, he was in the Padres' um, AAA um, team and seemed like he was going to make it to the pros, but he never did. He said he was a Christian, but when he didn't make it to the pros, then he was mad at God. And I just spent time with him a few weeks ago when I was in Pennsylvania, and he's not walking with the Lord. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. The decision to the decision what to do in a moment like this was forged long before the music played. They had developed firm convictions before they reached Babylon to live for God. There was no other way to live. And their leader Daniel only strengthened their resolve with his exceptional faith. Spend time with. Let your closest relationships be with people of exceptional faith. Number two, you must worship only God, 13 through 15. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Then these men were brought before the king. Rage, huma in Hebrew, anger, ragaz. You put them together and he was mad. He was fuming. Dictators don't take no in stride. They lash out. They disparage their opponents. And they'll kill them if they have that kind of power and authority. Like Putin. Like Kim Jong-un. Like President Xi. uh, President Maduro in Venezuela. He was beside himself and he had the three brought to him. Verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. By the time the three appeared, he seems to be under control. Maybe he's thinking, maybe they didn't understand what I'm saying. I mean, is it true? Maybe the Chaldeans made this up to get rid of these wise men who had impressed the king along with Daniel. Remember in chapter 1, verse 18, then at the end of the day, the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of all of them, no one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. These, these Chaldeans probably thought, you know, we can't get promoted while these guys are alive. The king knew their names. He may have come to know them fairly well in their official capacity in the court, his anger had subsided for the moment. He was giving them a second chance. You can't worship other gods and you can't act as if all forms of Christianity are the same. Biblical Christianity is different than Roman Catholicism. It's different than most mainline denominations that promote works righteousness. Biblical Christianity makes it as clear as possible That salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone, by his grace. He is our substitute. He took our sin upon himself and then uh, gives us his righteousness. Believing that, proclaiming that, doesn't make you popular. It just makes you faithful. Remember when the Judaizers came to Galatia? And Peter stopped eating with the Gentiles for fear of those heretics who taught that the Mosaic law was still binding to all Christians. And Paul strongly corrected him to his face. He says to all the Galatians, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. They were turning away from the gospel, gospel's essential meaning to a form of religion that rejected the heart of the gospel. They were perverting grace. 
They were turning from grace to merit. Saying, you know, we must add something to what Christ has done. To bow down to the statue would have been saying, Yahweh is not the only God. Nebuchadnezzar was not asking them to renounce Yahweh, understand that. Just make room for him. Make room for other gods and and show that you're in submission to me. Ecumenism says doctrine doesn't need to divide us. You know, we all name the name of Jesus. But when you add baptism or works righteousness or purgatory to be essential for salvation, that's a different gospel. We're not loving, we're not compassionate to others to let them think that faith plus anything else is not a stumbling block to saving faith. But we will offend them who don't believe in Christ alone. I don't want to offend others needlessly, but if the truth offends them, we must stand firm. Be kind, be gracious, but be firm. I've said before, you know, I have a lot of respect for Tim Tebow, former quarterback in the college and in the pros, but when he was going to speak at Pastor Jeffrey's church in Dallas, uh, who's very outspoken about, you know, gay marriage and those types of things, the LBGBQ, um, he, he uh, you know, didn't go. And for whatever reason, he did not stand firm. Be kind, be gracious, and willing to listen to others, listen to their opinion without being self-righteous, but we must stand firm for the truth. Why did you leave the church you came from, if that's if you've come from another church? Was it the music? Was it preaching? Was there a problem? Or you discovered, for the first time, salvation through grace and faith alone, and you want to grow in grace, and so you had to leave. Some people get saved in a Roman Catholic church. I know that. Um, and they might stay for their family or... They want to evangelize everybody else. But you will never grow under those homilies. If what a church teaches won't lead to salvation, it can help you grow in Christ. The spiritual health of your family is always more important than your tradition. You can't get saved in a place that believes a different gospel. Unless you yourself are reading the Bible and God is speaking to your heart or someone in the church knows the truth and they're sharing with you, that person also needs to leave that church. But God kept them there for you so you could hear the truth. And maybe God's going to keep them there so someone else can hear the truth. Verse 15. Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the the furnace of the blazing fire. And what God is there that can deliver you out of my hands? For some reason, Nebuchadnezzar was willing to grant these young men an opportunity to change their minds. As we said, maybe because of how gifted they seemed to be, and and it would be a pity to lose three capable advisors since so much 
Time was invested in money and their training. As Darius regretted seeing Daniel in the lion's den as a result of another evil plot, Nebuchadnezzar offered to have the orchestra play for them exclusively. And if they bowed down, all would be forgiven, but if not, they're going into the fire. The day may come when the government says to churches like ours, uh, you have to do gay weddings there. Um, Maybe, you know, they won't make George do the service, which he wouldn't do. But, you know, you must rent the facility out to them. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather go to jail. I'd rather be fined. I'd rather lose the building than bow to the golden statue or the bales. And if not, we're not living by faith and the building becomes an idol. We must worship the one God and he has a book. I'm sure you've all read it. And uh, we need to follow it no matter what it costs. Now, is our position on gay marriage homophobic? Is it hate speech, as Rosie O'Donnell says? No, we love God and we love his word. And we have firm convictions on how to live this life. And how to use this church building that he gave us. Nebuchadnezzar said, what God is there that can deliver you out of my hands? How about the one who gave Daniel the insight about your dream? Certainly Nebuchadnezzar remembered and he was impressed. It says in chapter 2, verse 47, the king answered Daniel and said, surely your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. That didn't mean at that time he believed in Yahweh. Eventually he would. He he believed Yahweh was the only God who could reveal mysteries But he wasn't a God who could protect them from the fire. I mean, every God has their limitations. If they didn't change their minds, Nebuchadnezzar believed no God would be able to deliver them. You may struggle with some sort of addiction. Drugs or alcohol or pornography. You may be deep in depression. And think there is no one who can deliver you from that. There is a God in heaven, the creator, who can deliver you or help you cope with it or lead you to someone who can help you deal with the demons in your life that keep you captive. The three were not afraid. Remember, in, in, as we're studying in Sunday school, First John, perfect love casts out fear, fear of judgment, and apparently here uh, casts out fear of going into the fire. They were not hopeless, and neither are you. Don't be afraid. If God is for you, who can be against you? And it says in Psalm 56, God is for you if you're a believer. Number three, you must trust God, 16 through 18. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We don't need to defend ourselves, and we're not going to apologize. Lang says this was not a proud reply, but a firm reply. Their minds were made up. They said, if our God, they, they were not voicing some kind of uncertainty, only that they, at that time, didn't know what God's will was. Remember when Paul prayed in Second Corinthians, Three times, take that thorn from my flesh. And God's reply was, my grace is sufficient for you. And later, a few verses later, Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because you cling to God in those moments. Second Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with comfort, with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a purpose to our suffering. God doesn't always take away your thorn, but he always makes his grace available. You are seeing here in in Daniel the three walk in grace. To face death like this, you have to be walking with God. You have to be walking with God. You can't threaten me with paradise, said one pastor. Uh, A guy I met, I'm sure he's with the Lord now. But uh, in Romania, the the communists put a gun to his head and said, either deny Christ or I'm going to blow your brains out. He said, you can't threaten me with paradise. Um, And they didn't know what to do with that. They let him go. Firm convictions. Firm convictions. They believed in God's power, these three, to save them, but they would die willingly rather than bow down to a false god. They had firm convictions. They trusted in God completely, but they humbly accepted the fact They humbly accepted the fact that God does not always rescue us from our circumstances. It was not a matter of his inability, but his sovereignty, his sovereign will if they were to burn. They knew he had parted the Red Sea. They knew what happened in Jericho. They knew David defeated defeated Goliath. So it was within his power to keep them out of the fire. Here's a lesson for us today. A question. Does God have all the power? Or are there limitations to his power? Is he able to deliver us from any problem or give us the grace to to handle any outcome? Yes. Yes. The purpose of all trials may not be understood, but God asks us to trust him. Again, verse 18, But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
they were convinced that even if they die, there's a better life ahead. Firm convictions cause them to face 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit without fear. They caused Abraham to go out not knowing where he was going. Firm convictions caused Moses to endure ill treatment along with the people of God rather than passing pleasures of sin. And firm convictions, living and growing in faith, will cause you to live a life pleasing to God as you persevere in a world full of evil. What did we learn today? God does not promise he will prevent all trouble and pain. In our trials, we should have the attitude of the three and Daniel. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him, a reverent fear, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. But even if he does not, we are not going to serve your gods or bow down to the statue. No matter what the cost, they would not deny Yahweh. How do we apply it? What are your firmly held convictions? If you want to stand up for Christ when trouble comes, you must decide now to live for Christ no matter what the cost. If you plan to refuse to take the 666, the mark of the beast, where you cannot buy or sell, the, the decision what to do in a moment like that must be decided on long before the Antichrist comes onto the scene. So what do you do? Be in the Word. Be in prayer. Be in church. Spend time with people of exceptional faith. Ask God to help you resist temptation. Firm convictions don't just happen. They come by surrendering to Christ and drawing closer each and every day. Psalm 119.38 Establish your word in your servant is that which produces reverence for you. May God establish his word in our hearts so as we grow in our love for him, we will develop firm biblical convictions that will cause us to stand tall for the God of the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ. No matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your powerful word. Thank you for your promises. You are a God who does not lie. And you're there with us in the midst of trouble. You can get us through anything. Father, I pray if there's someone here who doesn't know you today that they would place their trust in the one true God through Jesus Christ. If there's people dealing with hard things and, and they're just wondering, can they be delivered from it? Father, show them you're the way. Help us as your servants, to be available to them. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.